Hello. Can you hear the growling? Yes, we're in bear territory. But how deep have we ventured? And how long until we find a path out of the market route? I spoke earlier today to Fidelity International's Global Chief Investment Officer, Andrew McCaffrey, to see which way his compass is pointing. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Richard. (laughs) It's been a couple of weeks since commentators announced that we're in bear markets. Uh, In fact, we've seen the biggest year-on-year fall in equity valuations in over four decades. Inflation continues to put central bankers on edge. And in the US, it's led to an historic shift as the Fed pushed rates up by three quarters of a percent. Now, Andrew, things are moving fast. And certainly soft landings seem less and less likely. So uh, what I want to ask you is, is the best we can hope for a hard landing or should we be bracing for a crash? So I think we don't know for sure yet, Richard, but um, the challenge is that with the persistency of the inflation pressures that we've had and the way that central banks, I'm afraid you made the mistake to not move earlier and now are moving at pace and saying that they will do as whatever it takes. I think that the markets are quite rightly starting to think about, um, you know, does that mean that we are going to have a recession and what type of recession that's going to be? And to say that it's hard or crash landing and the speed at which it can happen, I think there's still a number of variables that are outstanding, such as how the consumer is responding to the cost of living crisis, how companies can manage through this process and keep um, one, a level of confidence, but two, their order books, you know, comfortable at a time when we've seen inventories go somewhat higher. And those at some point, one would like to think need to be unwound. But is this also a reflection that the world has changed? Supply chains now need a different inventory profile. And so we have a different cycle ahead. And more in terms of how Uh, Again, that some of the dynamics of the geopolitics that we've seen, are they going to be problematic um, or are they going to smooth uh, from this point forward as we see China and the US at least trying to have a conversation? But are, are dials shifting on on your dashboard, um, if, I, if if you have one? Um, uh, what I mean is, um, I, I've noticed the the tone changing um, around the company in the last week or so, um, in terms of where people think that we are going to land. You know, whether, whether it's hard or soft or or, or crash, that um, the the probabilities seem to be shifting there. Yes, and I think that is a very good point. That you know, what we saw with the US. CPI print, and we've seen really, you know, continued through the ongoing um, inflationary pressures that manifest in Europe, in UK, and across the developed world. Then it has increased the risk that the central banks now, you know, could continue to the point where they push economies towards recession. And if we see that recession once it starts to occur how much will it feed on itself? How much can they then provide support? And again, these are some of the factors I think that over the course of really the last uh, 10 days or so have become more intensified and therefore, you know, thinking much more about the fact that it's going to be very hard to avoid a recession. It's just a case of when and what the severity of that recession is. And do you think that uh, that view is reflected in asset prices at the moment? So not in all markets, no, but I think you're starting to see some signs of where it's feeding through. And in reality, if we go back a few weeks ago, you know, we had 
in China during the sort of end of Q1 into Q2 that it was very much that there were recessionary type pricing uh, occurring in that market where we'd seen multiples uh, collapse. We'd seen a number of very good companies implying that earnings really would be coming down dramatically and economic growth would be impaired for a long time rather than just a short period. If we look to the US, if we look to Europe, there's pockets across certain sectors where we certainly have seen that uh, you know, almost some recessionary type uh, pricing occurring across, funnily enough, into uh, parts of retail and consumption based uh, areas. And so, again, that you know, the challenge for markets is that they're not all consistently priced for one scenario or another. They're actually in very different places. And the best uh, way to reflect that is when you look to the credit markets, because they at the moment are still remarkably sanguine, even though we've seen some widening of spreads. Uh, it hasn't been substantial if we were going to see recessionary type um, environment develop. Is, is that surprising? Because no, normally I think of, um, of of credit markets as being the the first to move on um, on this sort of a, a warning. Yeah, so it, it does look very strange when you think about tightening profiles we've had through the last uh, decade or so. You know, taking the US. 2013, taper tantrum, uh, you know, Mr. Bernanke saying that uh, they would roll back um, their QE activity and we'd see QT and rates moving. Um, you had very significant reaction in bonds and feeding through to emerging markets and actually less so in equity, but you know, uh, definitely a sign in credits that uh, uh, that would be a problem. Uh, if you go to 2018, um, then actually the real signal there was coming through in equities um, and to a lesser degree that we saw, again, anything really reflected into credit and that time uh, uh, into bonds. Uh, so I think it just depends on the, the circumstance. But what's so interesting about this is that we've seen a significant move of tightening of financial conditions as implied by the equity market move, by the move in rates and uh, long yields, by the move in the FX markets and how the dollar has strengthened. And the parts to stay out and that are now being addressed are short rates, which are moving up, but credit has stayed remarkably calm. And I think to your point, it's the thing we're looking at closely because is it sending a signal that actually the underlying economy can stay on a better footing and growth can be maintained and stagflation is the risk still that's uh, forward looking as well as what we've been through? Or is it mispriced and that very soon it has to move to reflect that um, concern around a recession being on the horizon? It won't take long for us to find out, I imagine. Um, But you've touched there on the real economy. And I I want to talk a little bit about that if I can. So the context is we've got inflation up, central banks are tightening. So therefore, um, expectations of economic growth are down. Um, you, You were talking earlier today and I heard you describe consumers and I thought this is a wonderful phrase, is the eighth wonder of the world. Um, and their, their role, especially in the US, is critical in the coming months. So how are they measuring up? What are your expectations in consumer behaviour with all of the things that are being chucked at them? So I think this is another one that's a little bit like credit, uh, that uh, you know, they've stayed remarkably resilient um, so far. And especially in the US, we've seen uh, increase in credit card, personal lending numbers. We've seen obviously saving rates come down, but to where the historic averages are. And so, you know, still scope to be relatively uh, calm. But we've seen a massive increase in funding costs when you look at the mortgage rates and how they've moved. So forward-looking activity is starting to slow. You've seen obviously the inflationary pressures feeding through into how that's impacting onto income. But at the moment, it's a case of 
you know, demand destruction being expected rather than actually fully appearing. Now, there are signs of that um, appearing possibly UK to a degree in Europe, but it certainly is not something that has been wholeheartedly clear that it is coming through into consumption yet. And I think that's you know, the part that obviously historically fading the US consumer has been a very dangerous game. But the catalogue of headwinds that they're facing do suggest that there is going to be some moment of recognition that lies you know, into the months ahead. Okay, um, so I, I, you've mentioned two puzzles there, which um, we're not quite sure how they're going to, to play out. Can I put a third one to you, um, which is China? Um, because it's emerging from the zero COVID uh, policy lockdowns. Um, there's also been a lot of stimulus um, there. Um, how is that going to develop? Is, it, uh, is everything solved and China's going to rush back, uh, roar back into life? Um, or is there more trouble stored up in China? So I think that the stimulative measures that they had put in place and that we've seen gradually being built, you know, whether it be on the interest rate policy front, uh, fiscal policy targeting, uh, the, the weakening of the currency. Now, that has not has been as substantial on a trade-weighted basis as when you look at um, uh, versus the dollar, but it has been stimulative at the margin. But also, the important parts really now are, with that as the sort of tailwind, are we going to see elements of regulation and also, if I'm honest, looking to the property market, a degree of stability that can come from a movement of weak to strong hands in some of the more challenged areas? And those signs are also appearing at the time that COVID uh, policy is becoming less restrictive. So to wrap that all up, I think that it's not without still some challenges as we look ahead because the economy is still coming from a weak place. But... Those stimulative uh, measures, I think, you know, are giving really quite a strong tailwind as we see COVID policy unwind, as we see signs that some of those regulations actually are being now slightly unwound to give more support to the economy. And also that we're seeing that movement of, uh, sadly, you know, from weak hands to strong hands in the property market to provide stability and restructuring. Then I think these are all very constructive things for the second half of the year. But time-wise... I think we still have to navigate you know, some of the still challenges that came from the economic uh, uh, weakness that we'd seen, the fact the economy is going to take time to get back to uh, you know, a more vibrant um, position. And that most probably means that you know, it is going to be a little bit more time. But, and I think this is an important but, that when you think about markets, that actually from a market point of view, that maybe some of the worst has been seen in certain sectors and that the risk reward is now very much skewed to a much better environment and certainly relative outperformance with some of the challenges that we've highlighted for elsewhere in the world. So don't get carried away with the headlines of, of bear markets. I, I'd be interested to know how you deal with different uh, timelines or, or horizons because you've got you know bursts of activity when there is uh, when markets are uh, in turmoil. And yet you and your team have got to keep a, a long-term horizon going as well as, as long-term investors. So how do, you, how do you balance that? How do you um, know when to step in uh, on the moment um, and when to, when to stand back and to, to sort of keep the course because you've got a, a longer-term longer plan? Well, I will admit it is very challenging, um, but I think it is important that, you know, first and foremost, we are... Uh, 
primarily long-term investors. And that's not just a, um, uh, a premise for our equity strategies, but across everything we, we do. And so thinking in that strategic manner uh, around how we build portfolios and uh, uh, reflect investment themes. But, and I think this is a very important but to uh, uh, incorporate within that time horizon thinking, is to have tactical opportunities. And I think that it's very interesting when we look at the current environment. You know, last week, um, it felt like the US saw quite an important moment around the uh, Fed move where the rates markets saw volatility start to ease off. And it felt like we may have uh, seen something of a uh, top for yields um, just at the moment. Now, if that's correct, that's likely to feed through to markets more broadly. Now, it won't be in a direct uh, one-to-one basis, but it may create a little bit of a more constructive environment. So one, obviously uh, for yields, so we could see duration starting to be a little bit more attractive for a while as that uh, consolidates and improves. Uh, you know, when we look at how growth and value have performed, that we could see that growth actually sees a little bit as a style factor um, of stability and bounce back as well. But it also means that, you know, to my challenges around credit and around the consumer, that those are things that maybe, again, for the medium to longer term time horizon, not necessarily the short term. And you know, what we may have is that an environment that now is more about how markets, having got quite oversold in some parts of uh, the risk assets, uh, seeing bonds certainly getting to, to levels that looked very challenged and uh, uh, looking dis- yields looking distinctly overbought, that we start to see some of that unwind for a while. But in the context that we still see those recessionary pressures building, that we still see that the inflationary pressures aren't just going to dissipate um, immediately. And the the longer term cycle, and now thinking beyond months and into uh, years, is that we have an environment that is primed still for rising rates and for inflation to have resurgence um, on a period of time that is something that we haven't seen for uh, you know, 50 years. And that, I think, is, is something that we have to navigate and think about strategically. Hello. A quick message. We love making these podcasts, and we know you're part of a loyal audience that keeps coming back to listen to them. But podcast audience statistics are a blunt tool. There's only so much the numbers can tell us about what we're already doing and what we might do differently. We've got exciting ideas for some new features and even some new shows, but we want to make sure that we're giving you what you want. Something useful, unique and unforgettable. Maybe there's someone else you'd like to hear from at Fidelity or beyond or something else you'd like to hear more about. Maybe you've got your own burning questions to ask our guests. Now, our listenership is not in the millions, far from it, but you're an important, intelligent and influential bunch, so it's very likely that your feedback will make a difference. And on top of that, we'll enter you into a prize draw for £250 in Amazon vouchers, or we'll make an equivalent donation to a charity of your choice. What's not to like? We've made it easy for you. All you have to do is click on the link we've put in the podcast description and that'll take you to a short survey. Or you can go directly to fidelityinternational.com forward slash survey. And the survey and prize draw close on September the 10th. We're really, really keen to hear from you and to learn more about what makes you tick. So please do tell us. 
go to the survey link in the description on your podcast app or visit fidelityinternational.com forward slash survey. Can't wait to hear from you. So you've set out an unusually complex um, backdrop uh, market context anyway. Uh, lots of things to, to consider, and we're not entirely sure how um, some of them are going to, uh, to play out. So briefly, how does all of that feed into Fidelity's core asset allocation at the moment? So where we stand today is that we've uh, remained very cautious on overall risk. So um, uh, you know, we're still looking that markets can provide better opportunities uh, to be able to take on uh, risk. And, and that, again, uh, I think very often we think of it as uh, an equity risk. But actually, you know, as I mentioned, for duration, actually an opportunity to now, having been short duration for some time, is actually to unwind that and maybe even you know, to build to have a slightly longer profile and duration as we think that yields can come off in government markets for a while. Um, combined with that is that you know, we still feel that uh, there are pressures and that we don't know how it will play out um, for that pricing on the high yield uh, or high yield uh, environment. Uh, so being more cautious in credit and going more for the investment grade area is a, a slightly more defense pro, but also better risk reward um, pricing there. And again, within equity markets that, uh, you know, again, looking across the world. And so, you know, over that more strategic profile, we're thinking that uh, we will see China emerge in Asia, especially doing better, you know, in the short term, then it's a case of just being patient and looking for those spots, as I said, to not be rushing in, but to gradually build up from what is a cautious uh, position. And if I'm honest, I think that um, although uh, you could see some bounce back more broadly, is that again, that not to get too enamored of uh, you know, some of the developed markets, if we are going to see that uh, you know, build up of recessionary pressure that we're not quite sure of how and when it will play out. So if ever there were a time to play the long game, this is it. Thank you, Andrew. We'll have to leave it there. Thank you for listening. There is more on your local Fidelity website or at fidelityinternational.com. And you can find links in the description to this podcast. The producer today was Seb Morton-Clark with technical support from Alex Wilcox and Pete Rees. From all of us at Fidelity, goodbye. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied upon by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without the prior permission of Fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please visit your local Fidelity website.